The news for September 10 begins with this piece on the industrial outlook. If one was to believe half the ravings of the local revolutionary gang, Australia would seem to be on the eve of a bloody upheaval. It is said, in all seriousness, that though the industrial position at present is uncertain as to what may happen in the near future, no man can close his eyes to the fact that an industrial upheaval that will eclipse all those that have gone before is possible. It is declared that there is to be a straight-out fight in which the overthrow of the capitalistic class is to be the immediate aim. There is to be a one-round fight in which revolution will be the issue. And it is asserted that Australia is in for the most terrible upheaval ever experienced in this continent. As a general rule, it would be sheer waste of time to give heed to the nonsense peddled by the revolutionaries. At the same time, it should not be forgotten that a small fanatical minority in the community may cause a lot of trouble, especially in the existing unsettled state of affairs. It is therefore just as well for the majority to be on the alert. This warning for listeners of a vocal minority comes from the barrier miner in Broken Hill. For September 10, 1920, this was the news. is a fortnightly podcast that takes the news from this date many years ago and shares it with you in one news bulletin. I'm Roderick Matthews, bringing you the stories from a time of fanatical minorities, ruining it for everyone. Welcome once again to another episode of This Was The News with stories this week from this date in 1920. The opening piece from the Barrier Miner was talking about some form of industrial revolution happening in Australia, and the number of hours in a working week was certainly dominating the headlines back in 1920. We might only work a 38-hour week now, but the debate at this time was reducing the hours from 48 to 44, as outlined in this piece from the Daily Express in Wagga Wagga. Assuming the reduction of the working week from 48 hours to 44 would mean a reduction of one-twelfth the output, the extra overtime that would have to be paid by Broken Hill Steel Company would be £70,000. This fact was stated in evidence before Mr Justice Higgins during the inquiry into the effect a 44-hour week would have on industry in Australia. I wonder what the people of 1920 would think if they were to listen in on our four-day working week debate that we're currently having now. Meanwhile, the other piece of news dominating headlines was that around World War I. The war may have been over in 1919, but Australia was still feeling the effects. There were many reports on the amount of money being collected in peace loans by the government. These loans were quite similar to the war loans. People loaned money to the government and received interest on it back. On this date, the papers were reporting £23 million in peace loans had been collected, which in today's money would be $1.6 billion. That's a huge recovery effort. Meanwhile, this piece on recognising those who died in war was published in the Gundagai Times and Tumut Adelong and Murrumbidgee District Advertiser. 
Scrolls are to be presented to next of kin of deceased members of the Australian Imperial Forces, reading as follows. He whom this scroll commemorates was numbered among those who, at the call of king and country, left all that was dear to them, endured hardness, faced danger, and finally passed out of the face of men by the path of duty and self-sacrifice, giving up their own lives that others might live in freedom. Let those who come after see to it that this name be not forgotten. And I think it's reading historical news like this that helps us to remember the lives of many of those who served throughout the world wars, lest we forget. Before we go to the break, let's have a little bit of lighter news. This piece on a discovery in the drinking water from the advertiser in Adelaide, South Australia. Mr H. Potter of North Walkerville brought to the office of the advertiser on Thursday a quantity of miniature freshwater shrimps, which he collected by placing a piece of cloth as a filter over the mouth of a tap attached to the main water service for 24 hours. The specimens were shown to the museum authorities, who described them as small crustacean or freshwater shrimps, which were quite harmless. Many years ago, they were not uncommon in the reservoir water, which also then contained small fish. It was mentioned that fastidious people might avoid drinking these small shrimps by placing a piece of muslin over the water taps. Adelaide water, folks, it's been controversial since 1920. Let's have a short break. When I grow up to be a man, I'll smoke cigars like Uncle Dan and flirt with girls and own a car and wear long pants like my papa. And when the winter days are damp, I'll have galoshes and a gap. But coughs and colds I'll not endure. I'll just take Wood's Great Peppermint Cure. Unequaled remedy for colds, influenza, bronchitis, lung troubles, diarrhoea, rheumatism is Sanders Extract, the surest protection from all infections, fever, diphtheria, meningitis. Sanders Extract, the great healer of wounds, burns, ulcers, sprains, skin diseases. Sanders Extract, proved at the Supreme Court of Victoria to contain antiseptic and healing substances not present in other eucalyptus preparations. Sanders Extract, the only eucalyptus product prepared exclusively from the leaves and refined by special process, is free from the irritating and heart-depressing ingredients of the common eucalyptus oils and the so-called extracts, and is safe and beneficial for internal as well as for external use. Insist on the genuine Sanders Extract. Derive the benefit of purity, reliability and effectiveness. Back to the news now from September 10, 1920. Before the break, I was talking about the effect that the war was still having on Australia, even though it was over. And rationing was certainly one of those things. Many items were rationed during the war, and just because the war was over, it didn't mean rationing could immediately stop. This piece of advice from the Department of Agriculture was published in the Blue Mountain Echo. Save paper. Paper of all sorts. Shortage of paper is one of the most serious shortages of today, and the price for paper when procurable is staggering. 
every activity, from newspaper production and printing generally to the smallest retail lolly business, is feeling the strain. For not only is newsprint costly, but so also is writing and wrapping paper. Newsprint costs today about seven or eight times what it cost before the war. And, with a large part of the Earth's population engaged in some form of revolutionary jag, the position does not look like easing. We live in a day when all commodities are worth more, and when it is necessary, therefore, to trim some of our more wasteful habits. To use a commodity twice instead of once is to ease the demand for it and to give the business of its production a chance of readjusting itself. This state, as well as the world at large, has a sufficient number of urgent and legitimate uses for paper, and waste tends to curtail them. A paper conscience is today what a food conscience was in Europe during the war. Probably less paper goes to waste on the farm than in the average city household, but there is still room for economy. Do your bit to help stabilise your state's industrial condition and save paper. Moving on to politics news now and a story on the Prime Minister, Billy Hughes. Hughes was leading the Nationalist Party at the Times, just having seen Australia through the First World War. Now, Hughes was a small man and was renowned for his severe hearing loss that began when he was relatively young and got worse as he got older. He used an electronic hearing aid, which we'd consider rather primitive now, as it was so bulky it could only be worn for short periods and had to be carried around in a box. However, his deafness could sometimes be turned to his advantage. Billy Hughes pretended he didn't understand sometimes or just turned his hearing aid off when he didn't want to listen to someone anymore. An example of using his deafness as a positive is shown in the next article from the Daily Herald in South Australia. In Parliament, Representative Macon has discovered a means to overcome the Prime Minister's deafness. When he desires to ask Mr Hughes a question, he types out two copies – one of which he hands to Mr Hughes, while he reads the other for the benefit of members and of Hansard. He asked a long question on Wednesday about the proposed federal convention. First, he desired to know if Mr Hughes would make a statement about the convention, and then he went into details and sought informations on numerous heads, all split up into sections, and numbered A, B, C and so on. The question was carefully worded so as to embrace all possible phases of the convention, and Mr Macon, who takes parliamentary life very seriously, evidently expected a comprehensive statement in reply. Mr Hughes read the long question slowly through and then replied, The answer is no. There was a roar of laughter and one member interjected, For answer to B, C, D and E, see answer to A. In the game mentioned above, the Prime Minister would score one point with the answer. From a bit of fun in Parliament House, let's move across now to local news from a range of local papers. A boycott was urged in the Gundagai Times, and the article is as follows. Speakers at a meeting in Melbourne urged that butter should be boycotted until it was purchasable at a reasonable price. Meanwhile, the Inverell Times had this piece on mysterious turtles. At Tend Hill, three miles out from Emmerville, there is an open-cut half-filled with water. Suddenly appeared therein several turtles. No one put them there, 
and it meant a seven-mile cross-country jaunt from their nearest known habitat. Despite the fact that the water contained appreciable arsenic, the family throve and multiplied to the extent of several dozens. Now, without a farewell or by your leave, they've disappeared completely. Moving across New South Wales now from Inverell to Broken Hill, these pieces of news from near and far were in the Barrier Minor. In an interview last night, Dr Herbert Bastow, who's returned to Adelaide from a five-month tour in Central Australia, was asked to express his opinion concerning the route of the North-South Railway. He was emphatic in his preference for a direct line. He also stated, I am convinced that South Australia made a serious mistake when she parted with the McDonnell Ranges and the Lower Northern Territory. How any government could have given away such valuable possession is beyond my comprehension. What's potentially more beyond comprehension is how government can lay claim to any Indigenous land. But let's not dwell on this. Finally, a bit of sports news also from the Barrier Minor. At the Albury show yesterday, Miss Emily Roach of Narandra rode Mr W.J. Weir's horse, musician, over seven foot and half an inch, thus breaking the Australian record for a ladies' mounted high jump. The previous best was six foot eleven inches by Emu Plains, ridden by Miss Arwood at the Bathurst show on April 19, 1918. Now, that's a sport I hadn't heard of before, the ladies' mounted high jump. Let's have a little break. You must ensure your life. Ask your friends, particularly those reaching old age. Ask every widow and orphan. Ask your bank manager. Ask your clergyman. Ask your lawyer. And you will have it made clear to you that of all means for providing for your wife and children or your own old age, life insurance is the only safe way and an absolute necessity. And the place to do it is the Australian Mutual Provident Society. Branch office at 21 King William Street, Adelaide. Phone 5400. Law Sumners for Vegetable Seeds. Sumner's tip-top seeds are absolutely the most reliable on the market. Grow your own vegetables, save money and keep the doctor away. Gardening is one of the healthiest recreations you can possibly have, as well as providing fresh vegetables all the year round at a trifling cost. Law Sumner's seed merchants and nurserymen, established 70 years. Find them at 139 Swanston Street, Melbourne. Coming towards the end of the news now for September 10, 1920, we're going to have a little bit from the entertainment side of things. This piece from the Murrumbidgee District Advertiser. Our enterprising picture show proprietor, Mr Bounder, is to be commended on getting local matter for his movies. To show their appreciation, the public gave a bumper house on Wednesday night when Gundagai and its surroundings and the recent football final were screened. The pictures came out very clearly, and local residents were easily distinguished. The photos of Dr Gabriel and Messrs P Sullivan and R Smith being lifelike. The picture will be screened again on Saturday night for the benefit of those who could not get to town on Wednesday. It does amaze me that they were filming football matches back in 1920, 
But then it's an interesting way you have to watch the film back by heading to the local cinema to see the results. Finally, to round out today's episode, a piece on the Prince of Wales. Now, regular listeners to the podcast might remember an earlier 1920 episode where we talked about the visit of the Prince of Wales to Sydney and the great reception that he received and how much fun he had down the races. Well, on leaving Australia on 19 August for the return journey home, he left a message to the schoolchildren, and it was printed on this day in 1920 in the Border Chronicle in Bordertown, South Australia. The message reads as follows. Girls and boys, my wonderful first visit to Australia is nearly over, and I want to tell you before I sail how sorry I am to be going and to give you all my best wishes. All of you whom I have seen have given me delightful welcomes of your own, and I only wish that I could have gone everywhere and not missed seeing any of you. I should like you all to remember my first visit, which I have enjoyed so much myself, and so I have asked that as a special favour to me, you may have an extra week's holiday sometime this year. Australia is a magnificent country, and I think you are very fortunate to have it for your own. Make up your minds to serve Australia well, for the future of every country depends on the spirit of its girls and boys. You have a splendid example of patriotism before you in the men and women of Australia who fought and worked and won in the Great War. Your sailors and soldiers thought first of Australia and the Empire, not of themselves, and many gave up everything even their lives, in order that Australia and the Empire might be safe and free. Many of Australia's women, too, served gallantly overseas, and others did all they could to help at home. If you follow in their footsteps, you will make Australia one of the greatest and happiest countries in the world. I want to say one thing more. You have all been told how great the British Empire is. Our flag, the Union Jack, flies in all British territories throughout the world as a sign that all British people stand together in peace as in war. Think always of Australia as part of that free empire, which has withstood great trials and never failed. I am not going to say goodbye, because I belong to Australia as much as to all the other British nations, and shall come back whenever I can. Please always think of me as one of your own kin, who will try to serve Australia as truly all his life as you will yourselves. Edward P. And with that lovely letter to the young people of Australia, we close the paper for another day. On September 10, 1920, this was the news. is a podcast spoken and edited by Broderick Matthews. All source material is taken from the reference newspapers and found online through the National Library of Australia's Trove website. Links to each of the articles mentioned today can be found in the show notes. The theme music is from Beethoven Symphony No. 6 and sourced under public domain from museopen.org. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe and review it on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcasting app. This Was The News can be followed on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and any email correspondence should be sent to thiswasthenews at gmail.com. 
thank you for listening to today's episode. The next episode will be out in a fortnight, released on Thursday, September 24. I'm Broderick Matthews, and this was The News. Thank you.